You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Can you hear me now? Says you, I wish I couldn't, but I can. You can't always get what you want. You can't always get what you want. You can't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, you might find you get what you need. Do you know what? I think that should be a Christian worship song. Does anybody know who sang it? Albert, the Rolling Stones sang it. I didn't realize that, of course, it's about drug addiction. We're not talking about drug addiction this morning. But I do like the idea of the song. Because there's things that we want that make us happy. But there's things that we need that God knows we need in our lives. Ain't that right? Ain't that right? And I love that song. And I said, you know, at the end of the worship today, we're going to break into worship with that song. You can't always get what you want. Because the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. I shall not be in want is another way of putting it. I shall not be in want. Anyway, I'm looking this morning at, um, would, you might throw me up the, thank you Rob, good man, I'll look after it from there. This morning I want to look at what I'm calling a perfect plan. You see, there's plans going on in your life. Some of the plans are your plans. Some of the plans are other people's plans. And some of the plans are God's plans going on. In your life. Now, any man who has ever been married knows what it's like for somebody else to have plans for you. Isn't that right? Amen. Anybody who has ever been a child knows what it's like to have a parent having plans for you. I'll give you another one. This is for Albert Casey. No, Albert, here's a quiz question for you. Who sang the song, Making Plans for Nigel? We're only making plans for Nigel. Come on, come on. It's a six-pointer. It's a holiday in the Caribbean if you do it. <laughs> Raul is donating the tickets to go to his family house in Trinidad and Tobago. This is your chance. <clears throat> Sorry, Albert. XTC. Remember XTC? They had this great song. We're only making plans for Nigel. And it was about how, you know, we've got great plans for Nigel. We're going to send him to college. And he's going to get a great education. And he's going to get a big job. And he's going to be the, the head of a big corporation. Does anybody remember the song, Making Plans for Nigel? Or am I really showing my age and my culture? Oh, lads. It was a pop song. I'll play it for you sometime. Next week, we'll play it for you. Right? So, but, you know, very often we have plans for our own lives. And those plans don't work out. And there are people with other plans in our lives whose plans dominate. But we believe by faith that God's plans come to pass in our lives. Amen? So long as we trust Him, walk with Him, keep in faith, God's plans come to pass in our life. I quoted the verse last week, I think it was, or the week before last. I can't remember the last time I was speaking. I quoted it on Tuesday night last as well. Everybody knows that Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to bless you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. We know that God's plans always come to pass. Well, look, let's have a quick look at Acts chapter 12 and see some of God's plans coming to pass. In this, we're going to look at the plans of a few different people. Um, but let, let, let's take a look at the passage as it begins. Are we going to go? We're going to go. Excellent stuff. Here we go. Reading from Acts 
chapter 12, it begins this. King Herod Agrippa, the grandson of Herod the Great, began to persecute some of the believers in the church. He had the, the apostle John, James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. He imprisoned him, placing him under guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. You're in the early Christian church. You're there in the book of Acts. The church has gotten success after success after success since the day of Pentecost. The numbers have just absolutely exploded. Your biggest religious enemy, a guy called Saul of Tarsus, has been converted to Christianity. And no good news is breaking out in the home of a centurion called Cornelius over in the city of Caesarea. And things are really starting to go well. And there's good news because a new church has started up far north, up in a city called Antioch. And in the city of Antioch, both Gentiles, the non-Jews, and the Jews are beginning to accept the gospel. And everything is going from strength to strength. The numbers are going well. The church is absolutely booming. And it's absolutely flying. What happened there? Did I disappear? I did. I disappeared. Um, you might watch the old keypad there, guys, um, so I don't get carried away. So it says he imprisoned him. So what happens? The church is going really well. Herod doesn't like the look of this, wants to impress the Jews. And he has James, the brother of John. Excuse me, sorry, sorry. Lads, could you keep your hands off the keypad because we're continually getting a switch here. I don't know whether that's me. I don't think it's me, is it? Is it? Okay. It seems to be doing this. Sorry, guys, forgive me. Technology, don't you just love it? Okay, we'll try and leave it there. Hopefully it will stay there and not have a mind of its own. Anyway. He, he goes and he beheads, takes the head off the shoulders of James, John's brother. John, one of the Boangeres, James and John, Peter, James and John, one of the tight three who hung around with Jesus, one of the guys who went up and saw the transfiguration up on the mountain, the guy who went in to see Jairus' daughter being raised from the dead, the guy who was around with Jesus and was one of his closest confidants, who was continually being called one of the three, Peter, James and John, Peter, James and John, Peter, James and John, Peter, James and John. You'd imagine that James, a guy that close to Jesus, I don't know why it's doing that, but it just seems to be doing that, a guy that close to Jesus would have Jesus protection you'd imagine that he would be one of the most protected guys of the whole lot but that isn't what seems to happen here he actually gets beheaded by Herod Agrippa who wants to oppress the Jews and then he goes off and he he, he jails uh, Peter now most of you are familiar with the story I know but I want to look at some of the details and he goes off and he uh, arrests Peter goes hey the Jews seem to like this because the Jews hated Herod Agrippa and he wanted he still needed them as a support base so he wanted to impress them so he goes off and he says right I'm gonna stick Peter in jail as well and I love it, it says he imprisoned him placing him under four squads of four soldiers each Herod intended to bring for public trial after the Passover and the dogs on the street woof, woof, in Jerusalem knew what was going to happen to Peter this was going to be a short trial and at the end of the short trial Peter was going to go the way of James that's what was going to happen to Peter and so Herod makes sure he's properly and well locked up and looked after because Peter has a bit of previous. Peter has escaped before. Peter has gotten out of jail. You read Acts chapter 5. James had also escaped. They escaped from being in prison. An angel came, opened the prison, and they all escaped when they were held in prison by the religious authorities rather than the political authorities of the time. They had been released. So he wants to make sure Peter doesn't escape. But you know, that was Herod's plan for Peter. God had another plan for Peter. 
I'd love to know what Peter's plans were because we don't hear what those plans are. Let's continue the story. The night before Peter was placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and he said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. And then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. All the, th all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard post and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street. And then the angel suddenly left him. Finally, Peter came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. I love this story because there's so much detail in it and there's so much detail in it that gives it the sense of authenticity. It's clear that when, G when Luke was compiling the story, when he was writing the book of Acts, he either spoke directly to Peter or he would have spoken to Mark, who was what they called Peter's interpreter, who was one of the closest guys to Peter and would have heard the story with all of this interesting detail in it. Now, I want you to put yourself in the prison for a few days. Now, this is not an overnight thing. He was probably in prison for somewhere around the week. And he has four squads of Roman soldiers. Now, Roman soldiers were good at something. They were very good at killing people. It was one of their real skills. You went to a Roman, to Roman soldier interview job, and they said, so what's your past experience? I've killed a lot of people. You're hired. And that's just how it was. That was it was that simple. People, they had the skill of killing. And here, Peter's surrounded by 16 guards, four squads of four soldiers guarding him. He sleeps at night chained between two of them. One chain on this side, one chain on the other side. We don't know whether the legs or the arms are chained, but he's chained between the two of them. And he's, he's connected to them. He can't get away from them. Sixteen soldiers, chains, prison doors, three prison doors. He's doomed, lads. He's doomed. And for Pe as far as Peter's concerned, this is probably the end of the line. And the night before he's brought up for trial, he's asleep. Asleep? Seriously, Peter? I mean, if it, was, if it was you, do you think that you would be asleep? You know, middle of the night, probably tomorrow, chop, 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 execution all over. Saw what happened to James, know what's kind of going to happen to me. And you go, I, uh. it just doesn't fit, does it? There's just something in that picture just doesn't fit. He's asleep. The soldiers are asleep. They're mumbling. Mm, 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 pulling the blanket. There's no, probably no blanket. Who knows? Maybe a cloak. Or, mm, mm, pulling, mm, mm, and they're trying to go to sleep. And, and I, I just kind of, why isn't Peter awake going, Lord, save me? I don't know. All I know is that he's asleep. And what's good about it? I love, I love the way the angel appears to him. The angel appears to him. And it says, a bright light shone in the cell. And the angel stood in front of him, and he gives Peter an old poke. Peter, 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 wake up. <laughs> you know, if you actually look at the scene, it's a bit like anybody who's been a parent or anybody who's been a child knows what it's like to wake up a child on, say, a school morning. It's a school morning, and you have to wake up a child. You know how deep the coma is on a school morning? <laughs> 
on the day off, it's bing, out of the bed, seven o'clock, yay! But on a school morning, it's, oh, I just want to be mummified here, if you don't mind. You have to go in and it's, it's literally, it's like, it's like, just like that sequence, Peter goes in, or the angel appears, and the first thing he does is he switches on the light. Come on, come on, time to get up, the light goes on, and then he has to kind of poke him, come on, come on, up you get, up you get, uh, uh. Oh, what's going on? And Peter still thinks he's asleep. Did you ever have such a vivid dream that when you woke up, you thought it was real? Did you ever have that? This is the exact opposite way around. This is reality that he thinks is a vivid dream. He's like, he's, he's going, huh? Sorry, what, what, what? And the angel says to him, hello. I mean, amazing, like, Peter doesn't make him go, it's an angel. I mean, he obviously is smart enough to keep his mouth shut. And the angel says to him, you know, wake up. The angel taps him on the shoulder. Just look at, look at the little details that's in there. Ah, come on, will you? Be good to me. Be good to me. Come on, that's good, that's good. The, so the angel appears, strikes and says, quick, get up, get up, get up. And says, and the chains fell off his wrists. They weren't unlocked. Nobody showed up with a key. Nobody kind of snuck a file inside and a birthday cake into Peter. The chains just fell off his wrists. And the angel told him, get up and get dressed and put on your sandals. The angel is like, is like Peter's dad saying, would you get up and would you put on your uniform and go out to school? Will you please? Come on, get up, get up. Put, uh, uh, put on your shoes, put on your shoes. Uh, uh, put on your coat. Okay, okay, okay. Make sure you have some breakfast. Okay, okay, okay. You know, and it's like that. And I just love the reality of it. No, he says, no, no, would you put on your coat and follow me? I mean, hello, Peter. Like, like, wake up, literally wake up. And all the time, he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They came to the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate, and it just, what a great line. And the door opens, what? All by itself. I remember years ago, if something was broken in our home, like if you know, a glass fell or a vase broke or something went flying in the house, my father, he'd always say, who did it? Who did it? No one, not me, not me, not me, not me always did it. Not me was always the guy who did it. And my father would always dramatically say, all right, so it just fell off all by itself. Hello. Because nobody believes that things open all by themselves. Do you know if you're lying in bed at night, right? And next thing you hear, and the door opens all by itself. You never think to yourself, gosh, I wonder what mechanically has propelled that door open, do you? No, no you don't. You kind of get your blankets and you pull them up over your head and you say, whoever you are, please go away. We don't think things happen all by themselves with such a lovely phrase. It actually, uh, automata is the word that's used in the Greek. It means it opened automatically. Now, I can tell you in the times of the Romans, you didn't walk up and get automatic gates like we have. There was no doors or gates open. So you can see God is all over this situation. And things are opening up left, right, and center. Chains are falling off the wrists. What a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful deliverance. Would anyone say amen? What hope it gives to us when we are in desperate and dire circumstances and situations that we think cannot be unlocked, that God can bring deliverance to our situation. Would anyone say amen? It opened all and said, they passed through and started walking down the street. And I love this line, he says. He says, then the angel suddenly left him. And Peter, Peter woke. Does anybody remember the series Taxi? Taxi, anybody? If Albert, you're, lads, I'm showing my age. Do you remember Frank Ignatowski in, in, in Taxi? <gasps> Christopher Walken. He, he, not Christopher, Christopher, he was a, an actor. He was the guy who played the professor in Back to the Future. 
Yeah, yeah, okay, we're, we're getting back to the future is a bit closer, is it, to your age? I'm showing my age again, I remember the black and white films. But um, in that, there was this guy called Frank, and, you know, he would just be walking around the garage in this taxi, in the taxi station, and suddenly he would just awake, he would just be walking along, and he'd just go, oh, 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 I don't know what happened there, but I just woke up. And it's just like that with Peter. He suddenly wakes up and goes, hang on a minute. I am out of jail. I am out of prison. The doors have actually opened. There actually was an angel. I'm, del I'm delivered. Shh. And he heads off. He can't go jumping on going, yes, I just want to tell you all I've been delivered from the clutches of Herod. You know? James gets put to death. Peter, James Bond, he lives to die another day. He survives, but he's going to die on another day. And as I'm looking at this, I'm thinking about this idea that with, with James, there was no soldiers, there was no angel, there was no gates opening by themselves, there was no soldiers knocked out, there was just a sword. Just a sword. But for Peter... There was all the other things. And as I look at this story, I, be, I ask myself, is it, time, is it time to wake up? You know, when we look into our lives, sometimes we don't see the numbers of times that chains fall off our hands. We don't see the numbers of times that the angels visit our lives. And now look, I'm not into kind of, well, you need to trust in the angels. That's not what I'm talking about, okay, for the record. Um, when God sends ministering angels into our life and we don't know that it's happening. Sometimes it can feel like a dream. We, do, we forget the times that doors open in our lives all by themselves. And just like Peter, we need to wake up. We need to come out of our stupor and go, hello, this is real life. Sometimes we can be going around, going all of these chains around my life, and we cannot be awake to all that God has done in our lives. We can't be awake to all the blessings that God has poured time upon time upon time upon time into our lives. And we're asleep, and we don't see it, because we think it's just a dream, that that's the life for someone else. But my life is going to be, you know, it's not going to be that great, but we don't see the amounts of blessings that go on in our own lives. We're just not awake. And sometimes God has to come and give us an old poke to wake up. To wake up in our lives. I know it has to happen to me. Sometimes I sit down and I write my blessings. I know it's a bit of an old cliche, count your blessings and I count them. I normally give up after a few fool's cap pages because I can't keep going because God has blessed so much of my life. And when we begin to count, we begin to realize and begin to wake up to God's purposes and God's plans in our lives. You see, when I look at this story, I think we're faced with a choice. We're looking at the question of whether we would have death or deliverance. Now, who in all of their right minds would really want what James received? Everybody wants what Peter got. Isn't that right? Does anybody here want to be beheaded for their faith? Just for the record, just checking. Okay. Does anybody here want to be visited by angels, receive God's deliverance, and be set free miraculously in their lives? See, there we are. There we are. 
But here's the curious thing about it. While none of us, by the grace of God, will probably surrender our lives for our faith, we don't know. We can look at this situation and go, you know, poor old, poor old James. Poor old James, he got it in the neck. James didn't deserve it, but he got it in the neck. But we know that God always keeps his promises, amen? He keeps his promises of deliverance, amen? What was the promise that Jesus had made to James? Anybody know what that promise is? Come back to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, James and John, at the height of Jesus' popularity, go and call to him and say, Teacher, we'd like you to do us a favor. He says, Oh, do us a favor. All right, okay. What would that favor be? Pray tell. And they said, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, will you let one of us sit at your right hand and one of us sit at your left hand. You know, the lads, like, they're kind of full of it. You know, I, I, I like lads like that. They're kind of, you know, hey, I'm going to sit at the right hand. I want to sit at the left hand. Like, you know, you'll notice that none of the women are asking to sit at the right hand and left hand. But the men are like, hey, I want to be the right hand man here. Like, when Jesus comes into his glory, like, I want to be the man. Just when your kingdom comes, let me sit at the right and sit at the left. And Jesus says, okay. I just love this situation because I'm thinking, what is Jesus thinking? He's thinking, mm, lads, mm, you've no idea the plans I have. Oh, the plans I have for you, lads. The plans. And Jesus says, mm, you don't know what you're asking. And he says, are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? And are you able to be baptized with the baptism I must be baptized with? Are you ready to drink that cup? Are you ready to receive the baptism I'm going to be baptized with? And of course they said, oh, yes, <laughs> we're able, we're ready for this one, baby. This kingdom train is coming and we're going to be on it. And when we start drinking cups, there's going to be good cups to be drank. And when there's baptisms going on, I want to be part of that baptism, Jesus, because Jesus is popular and everything is going really well. But the Lord always keeps his promises. Amen. And Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup I drink and be baptized with my baptism. <sighs> lads, lads. Millions of Christians have drunk the cup that Jesus drank. Millions of Christians have been baptized with the baptism of Jesus Christ. When James wrote his little promises book at home, a little flowery cover with a little lovely pen that he bought in a pen shop, so a little silver pen with a little feather on top of it with a little promise from God on the top of it, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And he starts to write in his promise book, Jesus has promised that I will drink from his cup. Amen. Jesus has promised that I'm going to be baptized with the same baptism, the same, isn't that fantastic? You see, James and John had no idea what Jesus meant. And in some of the more, um, like the New Living Translation, the Message Translation, it's it spelled out. It's kind of like, are you prepared to go through the suffering? And that is not what Jesus said. The language was intentionally cryptic. It was intentionally cryptic because Jesus was going to say, are you ready to die for me now proper? Like, I mean, really die for me because I have plans for you that you're going to die for me. Uh, really? Uh, I'm not signing up for that at all. Where's the blessing line? I just went here for the blessings. 
Will you drink? Of course we'll drink, because when everything is going well in our lives, and somebody says, do you want to drink the cup I'm drinking? I ain't going to drink that cup. Because the question was, when you come into your kingdom and everything is going great, and so James meets with the promise of Jesus. But Peter also met with the promise of Jesus because if you read the end of the Gospel of John, there is this story where, J, where uh, Peter is reinstated by Jesus, having denied him. And he says to him, Peter, when you are older, other people will dress you and they will lead you where you don't want to go. Jesus would also fulfill that promise in Peter's life. Part of it is kind of fulfilled here. But we know that Jesus, Peter also died the martyr's death. He drank the cup of Jesus. He was baptized with the baptism that Jesus was baptized with. You see, you know what? I don't know would any of us really sign up too much if the first promise we got was, you're going to die for me, buddy. I don't think we would. I don't think we'd, too many of us would sign up. And this was the situation that has been faced. This choice of death or deliverance has been, has been, um, has been uh, faced so many times by millions of Christians. But you could say, well, the Lord remembered Peter because of the prayers of the saints and he rescued him. Did the Lord forget James? No, guys, if you're wondering where I'm going with all of this, what I want you to do with respect is to see the whole picture of what the New Testament says. To see the whole picture of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. For some people, becoming a follower of Jesus Christ means they will pay the penalty with their very own lives. Now, when James was there in the prison cell and he was praying and he was asking God for deliverance, because if I was James, that's what I would be asking for. And I think I'm a fairly normal fella. And I think I would be asking for deliverance. But the angel didn't come and the chains didn't fall off and the guards didn't fall asleep. And there was no angel showed up and there was no bright light inside in the cell. Was James forgotten by Jesus? Of course he wasn't forgotten by Jesus. Was he forsaken by Jesus? No, he was not forsaken by Jesus. And when you come to the end of the story, you go, do you know? And, I, and, and I've read a lot of um, commentaries on it and, and that kind of stuff. You know, read a lot of commentaries on this particular story. And what strikes me about it is that so many of them seem to refer to how James lost, but Peter kind of won. That the death of James kind of woke up the church and then they did something. But you know what? I have to say this to you. Nobody... Whoever invests anything, please, if you have ears to hear, listen. Nobody who ever invests anything in the kingdom of God ever loses. You never lose in the kingdom of God. You may think, I've lost it. No, you haven't. You never lose in the kingdom of God. Even if you have invested with the right heart and the right intention, and it goes pear-shaped, or it goes up the spout, and it doesn't work out the way you had it planned, you never lose in the kingdom of God. And while James appears to have lost his life, I think if I'm not mistaken, Jesus said, anyone who loses his life for my sake will find it. So in this story, James is instantly translated into the permanent presence of Jesus Christ. James graduates, whereas Peter's graduation is put off for another day. It's a different way of looking at it, isn't it? 
Because we've got to realize, lads, that when we look at the gospel and we read the gospel stories, we can be very focused on what, that it's all about this life. And it's all about what's happening to us right now and how we're going to get through our next situation. Jesus came for so much more than that. He came for so much more than that. The gospel message is about receiving eternal life. It's not just life now and clothes in the back and food in the stomach and doors opening here. And we need all of that 100%. But the gospel story is about eternal life. It means that when this body and it will go, when it falls down, when I slip off this mortal coil to quote William Shakespeare, I still have life in me. What's even weirder is that some of the Christians in the early New Testament church actually thought that dying was a good idea. Hello? Now, I don't think anybody here says dying is a good idea. I think, yeah, I I, I think I'd like to die. You know, if somebody says, I want to die, they kind of go, well, you obviously need help. What did Paul say? Paul said this. He said, for me, living means living for Christ. And he goes, and dying is what? Even better. Hello, Paul. Paul, you need to cut back on that prescription, my friend. Dying is not better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which one is better. Hello, Paul. Better to live. Paul, hello. I'm torn between two desires, he says. I long to go to be with Christ, which would be far better for me. Far better for me if I go to be with Jesus Christ. Hello, Paul. Hello. Why? Because Paul had an eternal perspective. He knew that his life was not forever here on this earth, that it was a short time, but what really counted was what we invested in this life to take it to the next life. You go, oh, well, you believe in the next life. If you don't believe in the next life, then you are not a Christian. I have news for you. You might like the philosophy of Jesus Christ, but if you don't believe that he died so that we would not perish but have everlasting life, you're not a Christian. Sorry. Don't hold it against me. I'm only the messenger here. So why would Paul say it's better to be, it's better to die, it's better to go? Because when we look at these stories, we go, oh, poor old James, and he lost his head. James, you poor fella. No, I lose my head a lot, actually, by the way, but not in that that literal sense. But he lost his head, poor old James. And Peter, look, Peter got such a deliverance, but James was also delivered. But both of them, in God's perfect plan and in God's perfect timing. See, if you were a member of a, of a um, what do they call it? What do they call it? Trapeze? Trapeze company. How come all the trapeze guys are Italians? You ever notice that? The Mananzano brothers. Hey, hey, hey. Anyone here from Italy? No one here from Italy? Amen. <laughs> you know, they're always kind of the Mananzini brothers. Hep, hep, hep. You know, you, you, have you ever, anybody here been to the circus? Hello? Hello? If you've been to the circus, put your hand up if you've been to the circus. If you haven't been to the circus, you need to get out more often. You know what they say? And now we've got all the way from uh, Milano in Italy, the Mananzano brothers. And they go, hey, hey, hep, 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 hey, hep, hey, hep, hep, hey, hep, hep. And they start doing tumbles and fiddles and turns and, you know. And next thing they go up on the trapeze and, whew, and they're swinging back and forth. The next thing, hop, a triple somersault. And he lands up, hep, 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 hey. It's all this kind of, you go, God, those lads, I'd love to be on what they're on, like. But you know when Giuseppe and Giovanni, get, they don't get up that morning and go, Hey, Giovanni, you like to do a trapeze? Oh, yeah, no problem. We do trapeze. I'm, I'm kind of crossing over here somewhere between Polish, Russian, and Japan, Italian. Forgive me. Or else you have Svetlana Ivanova. I am, I am gymnast from Russia. I will do somersault. You will applaud or I will kill you all. 
See, when these trapeze, these acrobats go out and they suddenly decide they're going to climb up the high wire and the net is down below them. And they're going through the air. Do you see? Do you think they just woke up that morning and said, I think I'd like to try a triple somersault there. Or, you know, your, your kids are sitting there and they're going, Dad, I'd love to do that. And you're going, I wouldn't love to do that. It takes years and years of training, but it takes two things. It takes two things to do this right. It takes trust and it takes timing. It takes trust and it takes timing. And you know, lads, your life is a high-flying act on the trapeze. That's what your life is like. And sometimes you feel like you're flying through the air and you're doing the triple somersault or you are suspended hoping that gravity changes its mind in midair. And your hands are out. And just at that moment, over comes Giovanni, swinging with his hands hanging. And you reach out and you grab him and you go, yeah. oh, he showed up just in time. And that's what our lives are like. They're a combination of trust and of timing. The life of faith is a life of trust. So that when we do that triple somersault, when we take that risk of faith for God, that God is going to show up and he's going to catch us. And he's going to work out his best plan in our lives. If that plan is for yada yada with the chains and the bright lights and the angel and the get up you lazy bugger here, come on. If that's his gig, then praise God. But what if it is his gig that it's the sword? We still have to trust. Because faith, it's trust, isn't it? You know when you put your money into the box? You know when we put our money into the box? I put, you know, I put money into the box, you put money into the box. Lots of people here put money into the box. When you put money into the box, that's an act of faith. Because otherwise you're losing. You're kind of going, what are you giving this money? Like, hello? But you're trusting. You're trusting that when you give something away, God will look after you. Isn't that right? That when you lay something down for him, and especially, as I said, I think it was Tuesday night I said it, especially if it's something you want to keep. Because if you don't want to keep it, it's just junk. But if you really want to keep it, it's, a, it's something that you're giving away in trust to God. You're giving it away. And so when we look at the lives of Peter and James and we look at our own lives and we go, Lord, would you work out your trust? If I trust you, I trust you that you're going to show up with your timing that is spot on for my life. Just as you did for Peter and just as you did for James. Would anyone say amen? I want to pray for a couple of things this morning. I love it when Peter, who at the end of his life says this. He's writing this. These are some of Peter's last letters. He's literally writing them at the very end of his life. And he writes this. He says, you see, he said, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials. God, the Lord knows how to do it. And they say to him, how do you, what, do you, what do you mean, Peter? He says, I was in prison twice. And an angel came and let me out. If you read Acts, Acts 5 wasn't written. But if you read Acts 5 and you read Acts 12, you'll see I was in prison twice. And the Lord showed up and let me out. And they said to him, but what about James? And he says, James was also rescued. He was rescued from this life. And he was translated into the presence of Jesus Christ. There are no losers in the kingdom of God. Would anyone say amen? I want to pray this morning for two things. I want to pray, first of all, that we would wake up. Would anybody be willing to pray to wake up? Because I think that we very often, I can be like that. I can sleepwalk uh, in, in my life and not recognize what God is doing in my life. I want to pray that we would wake up. I also want to pray that the ones that we love, the ones that we are praying for, would also wake up. Is that an okay prayer to prayer? Will you stand with me? I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And the second thing I want to pray for is that we would simply say, you know, when we say, Lord, I know the plans you have for me. 
Lord, let me trust in your timing in my life. Would that be an okay prayer to prayer? Because sometimes we can become frustrated. I know, uh, I, I read a quote by a guy called John Piper who said, impatience with God is a form of unbelief. It's a form of unbelief when we become impatient because we think we know things ought to work out and they don't always work out the way that we want them to work out. But I want to pray this morning that we would trust God, His timing and His best in our lives. Is that okay? So maybe you've got a situation this morning and you really need a breakthrough. Maybe today is the day to say, Lord, I trust in you for your timing. I want to ask you for your timing to work out just perfectly in my life. Just as you sent the angel in the nick of time for Peter, Lord. I trust you for your timing in my life. Are we okay to pray that this morning? We're going to sing a verse of the song. Awake my soul. Breathe on me. Breath of God. Breathe on me. Awake my soul. We'll sing that and then we'll pray. Breathe on me. Breath of God. Breathe on is that you would wake up that you would awaken to what God is doing in your life that you would awaken to all of God's blessings or if you want to pray this morning that somebody else would wake up to God's reality someone you've been thinking of someone you're praying for will you raise your hand this morning we're going to pray can I invite you just to come to the front for a moment we're going to pray together just for a second Let's pray. Come on, let's come up. Let's sing awake. As I said before, you never lose in the kingdom of God. You never lose in the kingdom of God. Just before we pray that for the awakening of souls, can I just pray, can we pray that we would be able to trust God for his timing in our lives? Maybe you're right at this moment, really needing a breakthrough, a miracle, an opportunity, favor of God in a particular area of your life. I want us to pray that we would trust God for his coming. That as we fly through the air of faith, we would meet his everlasting arms to grab us. 
just at his time. You want to pray that prayer? Will you raise your hands? Plural. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you know every life. You know every situation before us here, Lord. You know, Lord, that broken hearts, Lord, and the expectant hearts, Lord, and the troubled minds, Lord. Lord, you know the impatient souls. I'm one of them myself. Lord, we ask that your timing and your plan would be worked out and executed perfectly in our lives. Would anyone say amen? I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that as we bring these, our desires, our longings, our hopes, even the promises of God himself in our lives, Lord, that we would trust in your timing in our lives, Lord. That we would not become impatient or erratic or frustrated disappointed or spiritually depressed Lord but we would have faith and know that your timing in our lives is perfect in Jesus name Amen. I pray for all of those here this morning who themselves feel that they need to wake up to what you're doing in their lives Lord Lord I pray that your spirit would be the split of cold Lord Jesus pray Lord you would send angel to awaken us would anyone say amen Lord, I pray you would send your angel, Lord, to prod us and to direct us and to speak to us. Pray for those. Lord, we pray for those that we long for and that we pray for people that we're connected with or friends we know, Lord. And we pray for them, Lord. We just pray that they'll wake up, Lord. Wake up to your reality, Lord. Lord, I pray the alarm clock of your Holy Spirit would ring in their ears even this very week, Lord. Lord, we pray that they would wake up to the reality of God, to the peril of their lives without Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that they would wake up. They would wake up to your blessings. They would wake up to your salvation. They would wake up to your protection. They would wake up to your provision. They would wake up to your prospering in their life. I pray, Lord, they'd wake up and know that the plans that you have for them are for good and not for harm. To give them both a hope and a future in this life and in the life to come. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. We're going to sing the song in just a second. Can we close in prayer? Let's close in prayer before the guys finish out the song. Will we raise hands to heaven if you're able to, if you want to? Father in heaven, thank you that you are alive. Lord, that this is a reality in our lives, Lord, that you are a reality. And we pray, oh God, Lord, that your presence would be visible in every cavern and every crevice in our lives, Lord Jesus. In every darkened corner, Lord, I pray your light would come in our lives this week, Lord Jesus. We ask you, Lord, that you would hem us in on both sides, Lord. You would send your angels to be a hedge around us, Lord. And I pray we would walk every step of the week this week, Lord. Your word says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. Lord, we want to acknowledge you in all of our ways. And he will direct your paths. Direct our paths to your best path, we pray this week. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, amen. Praise God. You can return to your seats, guys. Tea and coffee is being served upstairs. Don't forget we're here on Tuesday. We're here on Friday for our Good Friday Remembrance. God bless and keep you. Coffee being served upstairs. The guys are going to sing as we go. Thank you.